Just a heads up, this podcast does use some bad words. So if you're sensitive to those, maybe skip past it. Also a warning, this podcast episode has covered some sensitive topics. There's some reports of sexual assault and violence as well. So if that's not your thing, feel free to pick the next one. Keep listening to the podcast, but just go for a different episode. Ba, ba, bamba. That song's actually written about her. What? Just kidding, but wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> that's La Bamba, by the way. Oh, I know. That's La what I was. La 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 Bamba. She was the son of the lost Maharaja of the Punjab. That'd be a way better song. Totally. I hate to say it. I'm getting jiggy with it. La 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 Bamba. Welcome back to another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast, stories of women that you should know about. I'm Erin. I'm Lucy. And I'm Talissa. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) How's everybody doing? Lucy just moved into her new place. Yes. She looks stressed. I am stressed. (laughs) Yeah. They say that it's up there with uh, divorce in terms of the most stressful life experiences. (laughs) Yeah. But we'll get through it. We'll get through it. And the views are worth it. The views are great. Yes. Instagram story views already on fleek. Can't wait Mm -hmm. for more of those shots on the gram. How about you, Talissa? How are you traveling, babe? Mm -hmm. Yep. Great. I finished writing my notes about uh, 30 seconds before we jumped on this call. How are you, Erin? I'm great. I'm also very busy. And we're going away next week. Talissa and I to the Northern Territory and I just feel like we will be nothing's organised. Oh yeah, we actually we're away. pre-recording so that when we go away we've got some episodes lined up for everybody. Yeah, I just feel like nothing's ready. Nothing's organised. I'm not no. in holiday mode at all yet. But Five yeah. of us in a four-wheel drive in the middle of the literal Australian outback with Yay! no real plans, so that's good. Also, sidebar, I know how we're like, oh, March is crazy and everyone definitely agrees. So our, our, av- our avid listener... And friend Leah was like messaging me. She was listening to the episode. She's like, I am so stressed as of March <laughs> the 1st, 2021. <laughs> She's like, it's so crazy. So yeah, we feel you. Anyways, let's let's dive into this story. So the year is 1910, Parliament Square, London. Men and police officers line the streets and a group of 300 strong protesters take to the streets. They begin to march, their banners calling for women to have the right to vote. All other avenues so far have been dead ends and the rally feels like the group's last hope. As they head toward the Houses of Parliament, police and the male bystanders begin ripping women to the ground. Police beat women, physically assault them, bashing their faces and their bodies with beast-like force. Male bystanders jump in on it too while police horses trample over women's bodies. It's not just physical assault though, but sexual assault as well. With women's bodies grabbed and assaulted by the men, their breasts grabbed and twisted painfully. One woman is being thrown against the concrete with such force it begins to knock her out. And the police officer is unshaken by this, beating her again and again. Suddenly, a woman stands between them. She demands his badge number and he replies, V700. Just as he begins his attack on her, he catches a glimpse of her face. He runs. Who is this woman? 
she is who I'm covering this week. Oh, she. Yeah. I think I know who you're talking about, but I don't know. You know, I know, but okay. I don't know. <laughs> so we're talking about Princess Sophia Duleep Singh, who was born August 8, 1876 in Belgravia, which was an affluent district of central London. I had no idea that that was who you were talking about. (laughs) That's the thing. These are stories of women that you haven't heard about and like these big names in the suffragette or suffragist movement. But this is one of those ones that's like this like hidden incredible gem of a story and and an incredible woman as well. Yeah. So I thought this was suffragette time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, th- I was thinking yeah. of a different suffragette, but that's fine. They've all got their Are own amazing stories. Emmeline Pankhurst? Yes. <laughs> so they're, they're friends. They'll become <gasps> friends later on in the story. Oh, okay, I'll shut up now. Yes. No, 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 no. It's good. It's good because it helps me because I'm not very good at providing context, so you're going to have to create it along the way. Again, fast notes. It's good. It's fine. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> Sophia um, Duleep Singh, as I said, was born in an affluent affluent district of central London. She grew up in a mansion in Suffolk, which still stands perfectly today. Her father designed the property, and if you look at photos of it, it looks like India. It's beautiful. And there are photographs of the home with monkeys and leopards in cages and peacocks, like, roaming around the property. It's oh like God. almost a jungle outside. It's It's incredible. Looks like a dream. Sounds so, like a dream. Yeah, it literally the fo- like the photos are insane. Like their paintings still inside the mansion to this day. So she was born into aristocracy and was the third daughter of the last Maharaja Duleep Singh. And he was the last Maharaja of the Sikh Empire. So I'm going to give you a bit of backstory now to explain what that means and who that is. Duleep Singh's father, so Sophia's grandfather, was Ranjit Singh, who was crowned the Maharaja in 1801 at age 20. And he ruled the Sikh Empire in the northwest subcontinent of India and a region called the Punjab. That's where my great-grandfather is from. Really? I didn't know you had Indian relatives, Lucy. Yeah, my dad's grandfather, so my great-grandfather was from the Punjab. Indian. Wow, yeah. that's so cool. Well, this is literally, this is the place. It's the just place. obviously like years before <laughs> he was there. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Um, yeah. So the Sikh Empire, <laughs> now known as Punjab, I'll just keep going, um, was a region spanning um, the border into modern day People's Republic of China, the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan as well. So it's that little section there. And it did really well at defending itself against invaders thanks to a very loyal army who became – Um, So the area became a peaceful and very wealthy area quite quickly. It was prosperous and like flourishing. It should be noted that the British landed in India in 1608 and they had a trading company called the East India Company. And after a while, they started to meddle in Indian politics and try to earn more money for the company. So at that time, it was just them trading out of the area. Yeah, so they eventually turned the EIC from a trading company to a ruling company. And Sophia's grandpa is able to protect the area from them. But when he dies, the EIC, which is that trading company slash they're starting to take over power of areas of India, um, they capture the Punjab area and a prime jewel called the Coronor Diamond, I might have pronounced that incorrectly, um, is captured from the area and that's like their they really hold that in high regard and it's meant to be amazing. And it's given to the Queen of England, which is Queen Victoria. What (gasps) colour is it? Gasp. Yeah, what does it look like? I mean, we'll put a photo of it up, I reckon. It's a massive clear diamond. It's beautiful. Like 
Oh, is this like the one in Pink Panther? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it kind of so, looks like the Pink Panther one. It was on the Queen Mother's crown as part of her crown jewels. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and did you say that that originally belonged to belonged to the Punjab people? Oh, to, to their the to their empire. Ah, yeah. uh, right. I thought you meant it was her dad's. I was like, what? Okay, well, it was her mind. grandfather's. His grandfather's. That's right. Sorry, I thought that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, but it was her dad's, and they took it off her dad. Right. Rude. The grandfather dies. And Sophia's father becomes the heir to the throne. There are a couple of sons in between that. Two sons are assassinated and poisoned. One um, is a wife who takes over, but she um, doesn't rule. She abdicates so someone else can take over. And basically there's a whole heap of people that step out of the way, which leaves Sophia's dad and his mum mm-hmm. acting as regent. And, and they basically look after the area for a few, few years, about five and a half years they rule together. Um, They were they were very loyal people to the Maharaja, and the EIC were concerned that if they continued to allow Sophia's dad Julep to stay around the area, that the people would start to side with him and overturn the British rule of the area. So at age ten, Julep Sophia's dad is exiled to England, and his mother is sent to Nepal. Oh wow. Yeah. It's said that he was beautiful to look at and charming and he was a favourite of Queen Victoria's, which to me sounds really gross because he was just 10 years old. Um, he was given it. Yeah. He was given an income by the realm and taken in by them. And he never came to terms with what happened to his people and the empire there. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like any of that was by choice. No. And when he gets to England, he allegedly presents the diamond that we just talked about to Queen Victoria Um, Uh, and it's meant to be so it's a really important symbol for the Sikh people that diamond and giving it to her is kind of like him showing like a peaceful transition of power kind of thing for the area but he's a 10 year old kid who was just taken away from his land yeah yeah sounds like he was swindled yeah it's not great years later uh Sophia Dilip Singh is born and she is daughter of the Maharaja and her mum's is Bambi Mueller, who's the daughter of a German father and his Ethiopian uh, like mistress. And she was brought up in Cairo in Egypt away from the father's family. So that's her, that's Sophia's mum. So she's wow. got a really interesting life as well. Every character in this story could have their own podcast, honestly. Like they are all so interesting. Also, mm. I imagine she is stunning. You can look up yeah. the three girls. There's photos of Bamba as well. And then there's also like a stack of children. So they end up having 10 children together and six of them survive and Sophia is number three. And the mom, the dad, the daughters are all so beautiful. Wow. So the reason that her dad married her mom is because the Maharaja was seeking out a Christian wife of Eastern origin. And he actually proposed to Bamba via like a person in between them because they actually couldn't speak to each other because Bamba, Sophia's mom, spoke Arabic and her dad had been brought up speaking English by that point because he'd spent so much time in England. Wow. And they married in June 1864 and the prince made his vows in English and Bamba spoke in Arabic. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, they have like a confusing relationship. That is an odd foundation, definitely. Yeah. That's very love actually. (laughs) It is, but oh like, God, but also yes. weirder. It's a bit yeah. weird. It's probably it? less it's dark. Yeah, yeah, it's l- probably less. Uh, that love actually relationship's super weird. It's still weird. Like that's the thing. They're both weird. This one has definitely got more colonial elements, but 
<laughs> yeah. Oofed. Can't Super imagine weird. that. That'd just be yeah. 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 Hard. It's a it's a strange time. Um yeah. So, um, as I said, they had 10 kids together, six survived and Sophia was number three and the children um, grew up. They actually got quite a good education. They grew up for a time in Brighton as well and they went, the girls went to a nearby girls day school and Sophia actually finished her education um, on a six-month tour with her sisters staying in Holland, Germany, Greece, Italy and Egypt. So, they had a really well-rounded education because of the money that they had at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mind if I do. Yeah, so so when Sophia was 10 or 11, conflicting reports there, her father attempts to take back the kingdom um, that he – it's he's the heir to. That's it's his kingdom to take. And the entire family make a run for it back to India, but they're stopped by the British in modern-day Yemen, which in a place called – I think it's pronounced Aden, not sure. And they're returned back to England. And after that, her father can't really bear what's happened, so he takes off. And he leaves his wife and his children and he frees to France to make a new life. And it said he married a chambermaid named Ada Weatherall and they have two kids together. They're Sophia's half-siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he abandons Sophia, her mum and her six siblings, um, just leaves them and goes off on his own way. That's so, nice. yeah, really classy guy. Mm. Um, Bamba never recovered from that. There are reports that she drank herself to death a year later. There are also some conflicting reports that Sophia actually bought typhoid and was sick with typhoid. And as her mum treated her and nursed her to health, she caught typhoid and died. So there's like two reports of how her mother passed away. But anyway, okay. she died when Sophia was super young. Wow. Um, and six years later, her father dies alone in a hotel room in France. And from that, Sophia and her two sisters, Bamba and Catherine, each inherit £23,000 from her father's estate which I calculated is over three million pounds today or five and a half million Australian dollars. Jesus. Wow. Which sounds like a lot, right? Like I would be happy with five and a half million. <laughs> I'd be happy with half. I'd be happy with a dollar. But it was a mere <laughs> fraction of what she was actually, they were worth. Like her dad yeah. actually had a hell of a lot more money than that. Oh. Um, it said that he spent a lot of it and he was in a lot of debt because he was so depressed about what had happened to him in childhood. But also – it does seem like maybe the monarchy kept some of that money for themselves. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Sophia is grief stricken from the death of her mother, the loss of her father. And early on, she's described as shy and silent and basically just like a broken young girl. Oh, darling. Yeah. But you know what you say? They say, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. And (laughs) I don't know if the queen could tell whether Sophia was a friend or foe. The royals continue to keep very close tabs on her and her family, concerned that her and her siblings may attempt to lead a rebellion against the monarchy. So basically she spies on all of them all the time. Nice. Yeah, Either so way. Megan vibes. Erin, no, <laughs> <laughs> we are not going back there. That is over. Conspiracy. Sorry. <laughs> nope. I won't dive back into that chat. I but mean, we could. It gives Just me more saying. time to read over this section of notes. So if you want to talk about <laughs> So, um, yeah, Vicky, as in Queen Victoria. I've called her Vicky through my notes. It just feels more personable. Vicky and Soph. Vicky and Soph. Oh, my God, I'm going to call Vicky. Soph. Vicky. Oh, my Lord. Vicky in the palace. Vicky Vic. in the big palace. Oh, what, what? Start from Vic. East London, end up in the palace. It's Vicky. Oh my okay, goodness. sorry. I'm done. <laughs> I love it. 
See, that's why he's called a Vicky. So Vicky had a soft spot for Soph and she encourages her and her two older sisters to become debutantes in high society. Ooh, a debutante. Mm, we're going yeah, to Bridgerton you- vibe now. Okay, cool. Oh my God, so much of this is Bridgerton vibe. And I actually looked up what year Bridgerton was like set in. Do you know I did a a dead ball when I was in high school? I am not surprised. Tell Ew. us everything. It was the strangest um, leadership team experience. So if you're part of the school's leadership team, all of these random schools in the Shire, they sent you off every Sunday evening to learn how to do the foxtrot and then you wore a white dress with your partner and you were presented to the mayor at the Sutherland Entertainment Centre. It was a wow. fun night. Tell you what, you made some friends, but very it's like a weird context for the bonding. Who was your uh, partner? Yeah, who's your boy? Um, he was one of the guys in the leadership team. What's he up to these Romance. days? Yeah. I think he's in a committed long-term relationship, which is shout out to what's his name? Shout out to <laughs> Zach. Z- Zach. Zach. Nice. Shout out nice. <laughs> Zach if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. um, Thanks for presenting our girl to the world. <laughs> we'll take it from yeah, you. He was a great yep. debutante partner. He was great, and actually, I'm moving in with another girl who did the dead ball with me. So. There you go, once a day. Right. Well, we'll then be you looking a for a photo for the Instagram of that, I think. Yeah, okay. It's That's terrible. I do not look at all like um, Daphne Bridgerton. It's much, it's not very Daphne. How old were you? 16? 16. I mean, 16. I, I'm glad I didn't have her weird little fringe. Oh, her don't get fringe? me started on Oh, Daphne's I've been there fringe. though. I mean, I, like, I have been it kind there. of unintentionally, which you can't no, see No, I had it well. on purpose. On my year 12 formal, I panicked because I hated my hair. And so I just grabbed section and I went, I went above my eyebrow and just did chop. And there's a photo of it happening. And I remember turning around to look at my mum, who's just mortified because I've just chopped. We're also going to need a picture of this. We'll need oh, a picture of this. Man. There's literally a photo of me chopping my hair in the mirror. I will, I will oh, find God. it and send you it to you guys. You were well and truly spiraling and no one I stopped you. you. I needed you there. You guys <laughs> weren't there. I didn't know what to do. Oh, bless. Anyway, didn't know you yet, but, you know, I haven't chopped my own fringe in a while, so that's that's a positive sign. Yeah. Speaking of looking awkward, you know who didn't look awkward at their dead ball? Our who? girl Sophia. Ah, back to oh, Sophia. back to the story. Love yeah. that segue. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so the year's 1892 and Sophia is 16, just like you, Luce. And her and her two older sisters, Bamba and Catherine, we'll talk about them a bit through the story. Again, they could have their own episode of the podcast. They're incredible. Um, they, The three of them dress in glorious white gowns. They have massive shoulder puffs with corseted bodices <laughs> and long silky white gloves. And they each have like, it looks like a really long string of pearls like down to the floor and they just like wrapped it like 30 times around their wow. neck, which feels very 80s to me. Yeah, Madonna <laughs> yeah, yeah. vibes. Yes. A bit oh, of mesh so as well. <laughs> mesh hairnet. The pads are like angular. <laughs> they are though. The hair is teased. <laughs> yeah. Blue eyeshadow. Oh, of course. Exactly. Love and they it. look, they they legitimately look beautiful. Like they are so striking and so stunning to look at. Amazing. Um, so it's their day. It's the 1st of January and it's the day the three sisters will make their debut on society. I know I'm speaking in an American accent. This is based in because it feels very, it feels very Southern Belle. 
the whole yeah, does it feel very thing. Southern Belle. I'm just a Southern Belle. Any Southern pe- Bells are listening, let us know what you think of our accent, please. <laughs> please don't let us know. It won't be I nice. work on it. <laughs> okay, fine. So Sophia, after her debut, basically becomes a talk of the town. She's like the new it girl of the time. Um, she's known for her fashion. She's like literally like becomes this like icon out of nowhere, but she's so shy and quiet still, but her photos get put on all the front of the, um, what are they called? The high society magazines. She gets invited. To Lady Whistledown. Yes. yes. <laughs> she is the season. They literally were newsletters. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. We've all watched Bridgerton and none of us have talked about it. I have I yeah. didn't get through it. I watched it until I watched it for the sex scenes. Oh had to God, wait. Had to wait five episodes until spoiler alert. Five episodes until a sex scene. Then that whole episode was a sex scene, and then mm-hmm. that was it. And I was like, "Well, this show is terrible." No, the wait was delicious. You just oh, it just built in it, built in it, built in it, built in baby. When I got to see it. I was like, all of that was worth, all that terrible show was worth it. <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah. I really, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was great. I do love Reggie though. Oofed. He's, 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 yeah. <sighs> yes. I formally agree. Um, but back to our very back own it girl. Our incomparable, is that what you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she had a lot of weird hobbies. One of them was that she bred show dogs, which was what? like looked down <laughs> upon. Yeah. Why would you look? And she... Because it's like, why are you as a princess, literally a princess, breeding dogs? But she was like, let me do my thing. Yes, and girl. she, yeah, she showed the dogs in like dog shows. I got, I think, I can't remember the one type of dog, but the other one was a Pomeranian. So Everyone's like little just jealous of her prancing Pomeranians. It's so true. Um, she loved photography and music and, um, and traveling. She, <laughs> and <laughs> she actually sounds I'm hanging like, out with my friends. <laughs> she sounds like the the OG quirky girl, you know, like yeah, totally. Oh, I just want to go love, on adventures and train my show dogs, and that's it. <laughs> but she also has also has great fashion, you know. Yeah, wears vintage clothes. Mm-hmm. No, Sorry, very too. expensive, very ugly glasses, but makes them look good. That kind of vibe. a lot of her money was spent on clothes. Like she got an income okay. and her inheritance, and she's like. Ooh, and she was like, she was basically shopaholic. Like she what just loved to vibe. Look yeah. Yes. But she did have one, yeah, one very controversial hobby. One very controversial hobby. Does anyone have want to guess what that was? Um, it, what do we think? Is this controversial in the sense that it would still be controversial today? No. Or controversial for the time. Absolutely not. She liked to show her ankles. Um, she no. Good liked guess. To drink. Um, she likes to play else? sport. Is she one of those girls that's good at everything? Fashion, art, sport, lovely, funny. Kind of. Because oh! she controversially, oh, can't believe I'm going to say this on a podcast, rode a bicycle. Ooh, oh, so gas. <laughs> Golly <laughs> gee whiz. <laughs> but she only but rode she... on like one side. You know, she rode side saddle on the bicycle <laughs> and just pedaled one wheel really, really quickly. And you bet that it had a basket. <laughs> <laughs> she and apparently ribbons. was an amazing cyclist and um, obviously that scared the people of the time because as we know from then they believe that too much excitement would damage her reproductive organs yeah that's so oh, or terrifying what a woman on wheels <laughs> <laughs> okay so she is living her best life queen victoria offers her a grace and favor property which is basically a residential property that's owned 
by the monarch. Can I have one? Um, <laughs> yes, you can live in it. Um, but it's basically a thank you for your loyalty and your past services, etc. And it was a three-story home and she was given an allowance of £200 for the home's upkeep. And she chose not to live in it for a really long time. She chose to live closer to her family, sometimes to her, her brother, sometimes closer to her sister. And she basically – it was there, but she, it wasn't like a big deal to her to have it. Right. Um, she also earned the keys to the royal palace because the queen gave her the key to the royal garden, which was unusual for the time because Sophia's home was across the road and she liked to walk to walk her dogs in there. And you can kind of tell that despite all the queen did to her family and her people and her land and her community, um, as in her father's lands, people, community, etc., that Queen Victoria actually really liked Sophia. They were, they were connected in a way because – um, Queen Victoria was also her godmother too. So right. something else. Some odd relationship dynamics. Yeah, very. Yeah, very strange. She also attended a number of big, important royal events, one of them being a farewell party at the Westminster Palace Hotel for Mahatma Gandhi years later. Oh, so wow. She was very, very involved in that kind of British fancy life. She was on the scene. Exactly. A quick check-in on her sisters, though. In 1900, her sister Bamba went to train as a doctor in Chicago, but halfway through her studies, the university decided that women weren't possibly capable of being a doctor as they not. couldn't possibly handle the intricacies of surgery. Couldn't possibly. Um, so she just basically got kicked out of the uni and was came back to the UK just pissed off because she'd already done half the work and it was over. Mm. Ugh. Yeah, not great. And what about her other sister? What's she up to? Well, Catherine was living in Germany um, and she actually fell in love with a woman in Germany oh. and she began a life with her there. Wow. Yas queen. Yeah. And yeah. she really struggled, obviously, given the societal and legal restraints um, against LGBTQIA plus people at the time. These things, her sister basically being kicked out of medical school and her other sister not being able to live safely as who she is Sophia realizes that things aren't right things are wrong in society and things need to change and it kind of lights a fire in her belly but it's only a little fire and uh-uh. it's just kind of like it lights a sapphire in her belly to oh. oh missed opportunity from me yeah. Lucy with the wordplay getting that yes <laughs> it lights a sapphire within her but it's a little one it's a little it's a little like glow at this point mm-hmm. it's not a big fire but she's just kind of like, that's not right. And um, realising how well Sophia's doing in high society, the Queen starts to wind back the surveillance on her, basically laughing at herself, being like, why do we think this this could ever be anything? It's fine. She's totally blending in. Everything's fine. We don't need to worry about a rebellion. So with the royals off their backs slightly, Sophia and her sister Bamba escape to India. So they left separately to avoid suspicion and they basically had to take steps to avoid getting caught, but they trekked from London to the 1903 Delhi Durbar, which was an Indian imperial style mass assembly organized by the British to mark the succession of a new emperor or empress of India. Now it was happening because in 1903, Queen Victoria died, leading Edward VII. Vicky. Vicky, Rip Vicky. May she rest in peace considering all the things that she did. <laughs> Edward VII becomes king at that time. 
So Sophia going there kind of got to see why her dad was so obsessed with the place where he came from and what his childhood would like. Maharajas come from all over India. There's a ridiculous collection of gems on display. The important people come into town riding elephants and there's dancers and fireworks and crowds and crowds of spectators, but none of them cared that Sophia and her sister were there. They just didn't even bat an eyelid. So they came back to the UK and four years later they go back again, Bamba, Sophia and her sister Catherine, and they travelled through the Punjab this time. And they visited relatives in Lahore, which was the grandfather's capital when he had his kingdom. That was the capital of the kingdom. And another area as well. And they stayed with family members and people who remembered their father and grandfather very fondly. It said that some of the, like, royal perks were taken away when they got there because they were going against the queen's wishes or king's wishes at the time i guess it was a king mm-hmm. and apparently like it didn't even matter that they couldn't get accommodation or those sorts of things over there that they'd normally be able to get if it was with the royal approval because there were so many generous people there who really were still loyal to her father and grandfather wow yeah So this trip through these towns would change the course of Sophia's life. On January 14, she writes in her diary about an experience that her and her sister had when they headed to a river to see a total eclipse of the sun. Um, I really wanted to say a total eclipse of the heart. Oh, I know. (laughs) I just sung it. Turn around, bright eyes. (laughs) Every now and then I spy in the British monarchy. (laughs) So lots of people gather, the eclipse is happening and people like kind of look at them and start recognizing them because they're in the land now. They are in the land of her people and her ancestors. Mm-hmm. And they start saying the grandfather's name and being like, oh, that's Ranjit Singh's granddaughter, the last, the great Maharaja, the great Maharaja. They're here to hear, very, very excited. And it basically starts to build. And she Can I is so question? touched. Yeah. This is, I'm sorry for interrupting you. I just wanted to know how much no. fun are you having saying Maharaja so many times because I think it's such a great word. I'm getting stressed every time because <laughs> I don't know how to say it. You should just point you know at me it. and I'll say Maharaja because I think it's so much fun to say and we'll just okay, do it that there way. Is at least a few more coming up. At least a few more. She's confronted by the poverty and the unhappiness of the people under the British rule and her travels line up with the ramping up of the independence movement there. People are really struggling to survive. They don't have enough to eat and it's a very different world than what her grandfather left behind under the British rule. Despite British British agents still shadowing them on the trip, Sophia attends many events in Lahore, listening to the driving forces behind the independence movement speak. Um, it was there she meets independent independence activist Gopal Rashid. Want to pronounce these ones, Lucy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll leave it to you. <laughs> Great. I'm going to put the pronunciations in because I I don't want to get this wrong. Gopal Krishna Gokhale, Lala Lajpat Rai. And she heard their cause and was really sympathetic sympathetic for what they had to say and for their cause as well. And hearing them speak was really moving for her and just added to how eye-opening this trip through India had been. During one of Rai's speeches, he turns to face Sophia and her sister in the crowd and gestures toward them and says, these are the granddaughters of the Lion of the 
of Punjab, which is her grandfather's nickname, Lion of Punjab, a move which made her turn bright red because she hates attention. She's the opposite of me. She's very shy. But it was really (laughs) touching for them to know that people still think so highly of her grandfather and his work. And it said that the crowds were so excited to see them, they shouted things like, we are with you, we will give you the world which is really touching. The women start causing big problems for local authorities um, because the groundswell against the English rule just starts like, it's already growing, it's already happening, but they're just adding fuel to that fire. The so fire. <laughs> That's <Thank> so <laughs> fire. <laughs> and it only That was not paying out her name. That was saying they. No, no, no. So I think her name's cool. Fire. Yeah, her name is exactly. awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it only grew stronger with the great Maharaja. family back in the region (laughs) (laughs) and police had to be brought in to break up some of the crowds at the events because there were so many people there it was kind of out of this world Sophia writes in her diary that she was delighted to see the house of her ancestors this is a quote I'm actually going to read it directly so Sophia writes quote I was delighted to see the house of my ancestors but oh dear how primitive it all is and yucky word primitive not a great word but I think she just means the poverty of the areas and basically what the monarchy has done to the people mm. and the injustices suffered by these people and watching the struggles that her sister were having given their gender and sexual orientation and the suffering of the people back in her grandfather's land. It lit. We had a little, a little Sophia before and now we have a massive Sophia in her belly Yeah, and she needs to channel it somewhere. A raging inferno. Exactly. She's no longer a Sophia. She's raging inferno. Oh, Sophia. Okay. No, 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 Don't allow that one. Don't allow that one. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so she just like needs to channel it. She like needs to like get this. Like, just mm-hmm. do something. Be the change you want to see in the world. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. How classic though. She goes on a trip like overseas and she comes back and she like finds a purpose. Oh, oh I mean, don't they I also all? think it's classic that she's like, oh no, I hate the attention. Me. While she's spending all of her money on like beautiful clothes <laughs> and literally yeah. training show dogs. And she's like, no, I hate the spotlight. I'm it's so like, humble. I don't know, babe. I think sometimes you're into it. Yeah, well, that's what her sisters would say. So her sisters were like, you're saying you don't like it and you're you're being so shallow. Like, why aren't you further educating yourself like we are? Or why aren't you, like, spending your time doing better things and just basically being a local, like, not local, but a rural celebrity? Like, is this how you want to spend your days? But anyway, it's fine because, wow. you know, at 33 years old, she has, like, a um, – Eat, pray, love moment. But, but yeah. like, fair. It's a fair moment. She's seen a lot of shit. Yeah. And she comes back and at age 33, she decides to channel that energy into the Women's Social and Political Union led by M. Pankhurst. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Happy whoop. days. All right. So, Sophia jumps right into a leading spot in the movement, focusing on the rights of women and funding suffrage groups. And now there are some activists from this time who prefer the term suffrage suffragist, but we're going to say suffragette because that's how Sophia referred to herself and those around her. So one of the first moves was to stop paying taxes because she was like, why am I paying taxes when I can't even vote, bro? Makes no sense. So true. Mm Mm-hmm. And this pisses off King George V, who's now in power, by the way. I love that, like, I'm not putting any energy into what's happening in the monarchy. Like, I don't really care at this point. They're just doing their normal thing, you know. I'm just picturing them. It's the time not to. Is King George V, that's that's the Queen's dad, isn't it? Is it? Isn't it? I think it is. No, I think it is. The Queen's dad was the one with the stutter who became king after... 
his brother abdicated to marry Wallace Simpson, wasn't it? Either way, this is the energy I'm giving to the British monarchy at this time because I don't agree with what they do, so we're just going to keep going. In November 1910, a bill is put before Parliament that would give some women, emphasis on some, the right to vote, some women. Mm -hmm. And that's because of an election campaign that the Prime Minister and leader of the Liberal Party had promised um, in their way up to the election. Um, It was called the Conciliation Bill and it would allow a measure of the women's suffrage in national elections. When he returned to power, when he was re-elected, um, a group of pro-women suffrage MPs from different parties kind of grouped together and started working on legislation. And the suffrage movement backed that legislation. They were like, great, you're going to allow some women to vote. That's a great start. Like, let's keep this going. And although some MPs backed the bill and it did pass the first and second readings, the Prime Minister of the time refused to grant it any further parliamentary time. And following some breakdowns in Parliament in November, Um, they basically decided to dissolve parliament on November 28th and Mm. they were going to do that. Sorry, they hadn't done that yet, but they were going to do that, which basically meant it was not going to go through anytime soon. So Sophia, M. Pankhurst and a group of activists went to the House of Commons on November 18, 1910, hoping for a meeting with the PM to talk about this, to say that that's not good enough, but they were rejected. And the Women's Social and Political Union which we know that Sophia was a leading member of, um, saw this as a massive betrayal and they organised a protest to march to Parliament um, that day. The fact that women in early 1900s are marching up to Parliament after being rejected by their government to fight for their rights and that literally happened this month in Australia, I just cannot wrap my head around it. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's a different topic this time, you know, but then, then it was the right to vote and now it's the right to be safe in the workplace. It's and women's rights. Safe anywhere, but it's still <laughs> women's rights and we're still marching for, we're still not treated as equals. It's mm-hmm. so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Still being rejected the by the government. Thing. No, but I think the highlight was definitely our prime minister saying, you guys, you ladies should be so grateful so grateful because you can protest and guess what you don't get shot mm, lucky us. he actually said that like he said that not a political podcast <laughs> i fucking wish it was a political podcast because mama is fired up and she wants to Preach. say some things but she won't she won't she'll talk about a time in history that isn't impossible to imagine at the moment is it as we know, they're marching toward Parliament to protest. Police and male bystanders begin to attack the women and for the next six hours, six hours, protesters endure physical attacks, sexual attacks. Their breasts are grabbed and twisted. And the reason that I'm saying that and that's such a big deal, I mean, it's a big deal anyway. It's a big deal anyway. Don't touch women's breasts without their I consent. Mean, it sounds so it's, painful. It's painful, but the reason it was a huge deal at the time was because they believed that hitting or grabbing a woman's breast like that caused cancer oh my goodness and so they thought straight away oh my god my breasts have been whacked now i'm gonna die of cancer like that's that's so they they were doing it on purpose they weren't just whacking them they're whacking them to hurt them but they were doing things that they knew were gonna really fuck with their heads like they were really oh fucking awful yeah well so who are these the pricks that, that caused that that touching women's breasts cause cancer 
I mean, they thought bicycles made it just you seems like an excuse so to not, not let yeah. anyone ever get to what is it? Is that second base? I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wait, th- this is police officers and just random men of the public. Yeah, yep. gross, 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 exactly. gross, gross, gross. So um, mm-hmm. they're they're attacked, and that's where the yep. story I started with happens. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, Sophia is there, and she is among the protesters and protects that. Well, tries to step in to protect that woman. Um, so I won't go into too much detail because I think I've painted the picture. And there's it's called Black Friday. If you want to look it up, like it's a huge day in women's history, and again, it deserves its own like episode. But the, uh, mm-hmm. the Black Friday. Not the bushfire Black Friday. Two different, yeah, very dark days. In yeah, history. if you're in Australia and you look it up, it might get a bit confusing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just type in like UK or something, you'll find. And then there's it. also the Black it's, Friday sales. Many. Black that's Black what Ugh. comes up as well. Yeah. <laughs> All anyway, very dark really... times in history. <laughs> 115 women are arrested on site, and four men, I think, from memory, and they're taken into custody. But the charges are later dropped. The Conciliation Committee, who were the people pushing for the bill in Parliament to vote, the right to vote, um, begin to interview protesters. They speak to 135 demonstrators and nearly all describe acts of violence. 29 include details of sexual assault. That's women who spoke out about it too. That's not the number that happened on the day. That's women who publicly or on the record spoke about it. Mm, There'd be a lot more, wouldn't there? (sighs) Yeah. The suffragette leaders wrote to the then Home Secretary, Winston Churchill, calling for a public inquiry into the violence and it was rejected by him. Two women died of their injuries on that day. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So do you remember how Sophia asked for the police officer's badge number? Yes. Yes. V700. Despite all the chaos, she remembers that. And she goes home and she pens a letter and she's like, I have evidence v700 we know he was there yada 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 and writes this big big letter and all these big names sign it like all these really important people and it gets all the way to winston churchill who signs it off that he's read it and never really responds never bothers with taking it any further her standing and her rank as a princess because i keep like i don't talk about it enough but she's literally a princess um she's a suffragette princess like that does not happen Mm. and it was huge for the movement having her there and having someone of her rank there and she later grew in confidence enough to chair meetings and even address events to help raise money for the cause Sophia auctions off all her belongings so all the years of being a shopaholic actually did well for her in the end um (laughs) with all the auction money going to the women's tax resistance league she ended up learning how to write backwards so people couldn't read her journals as well which i think is really cool May 11, Sophia was summoned to court and fined £3 for keeping a manservant, their words, five dogs and a carriage without a licence. And in 1913, she summoned again <laughs> to answer for keeping dogs and a carriage without a licence. And the princess basically says, like, why am I going to pay the fines when I can't vote? Right. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not doing it, bro. Don't let me vote, otherwise I'm not going to pay. And so they go, all right, get out. And they go to a house and they collect the fine of 14 shillings that she refused to pay and they confiscate a diamond ring. And the next time they go back, she's fined 12 pounds. They take the money and they confiscate her jewels and possessions. And each time they do that, they auction her possessions off and her friends buy them for her and <laughs> give them back to her. Oh, you guys Still, better do that for me. 
you know the crown because they still got the money out of it Mm -hmm. yeah i know um one morning as the pm's leaving his home asquith sophia jumps out in front of his car with a poster saying give women the vote causes a huge kerfuffle a huge scene but she isn't arrested even though most people expected her to to be because it's said that the government at the time didn't want to make a martyr out of her they didn't want to give everyone a reason to be more angry oh my god what assholes can i have a timeline check so asquith he came before churchill yes churchill was when they had the riots or asquith yes that's correct. Um, Ask, no, Asquith was the right. Sorry, Asquith was the rights. But Winston Churchill was the Home Secretary and that be, might oh. be why you're a bit confused. Okay. So he was in a yeah, position yeah, of power. Yeah. He just wasn't gotcha. PM yet. But we are about to hit World War One, So that gives you a timeline of where we're at. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so we're, we're in December 1913 when all the fines are kind of happening. Mm-hmm. So as you know, 1913, World War then erupts and Sophia is 41. At the time, um, she initially supports Indian soldiers working on the British fleets and later joins a 10,000 women strong protest. 10,000 women at a protest. Huge. Yeah. Um, to protest against the prohibition of a volunteer female force. They want to get in there and they want to fight for their country. Yes. But they are not allowed. Of course not. Um, she helps the British Red Cross Voluntary Aid Detachment as a nurse and she serves in the Auxiliary Military Hospital for two years. She looks after wounded Indian soldiers on the Western Front and Sikh, Sikh soldiers are really shocked to see that they're under the care of the goddaughter of the Lion of Punjab because there are still a lot of loyal people. Wow. And so when they see her kneeling next to their bed, like helping them, they're just like, on what planet is this real? Like Beyonce so... is my bed nurse. What? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Three years later in 1918, representation of the People Act allows women over the age of 30 to vote. Sophia joined the suffrage fellow- Suffragette Fellowship and remains a member until her death. Despite her focus being in England, she actually was an advocate for the suffragette movement right around the world and especially in countries colonized by the British. So she was huge. Um, it kind of was like an iconic moment for the suffrage movement in India when she went there. I love that. She eventually received a place of honor in the suffrage movement alongside M. Pankhurst and her sole aim in life was the advancement of women. Singh died in her sleep on August 22nd, 1948 at the age of 72 in Buckinghamshire. Before her death, she had explained that she wanted to be cremated according to Sikh kind of rituals and rites and that her ashes be spread in India. And it said that that um, was what happened, although it's not kind of proven. So she featured in a 2018 postage stamp, um, which said votes for women on it. Her name and picture and those of 58 other women of the women's suffrage supporters are recognised in Parliament Square in London and that also happened in 2018. Um, She's featured in a couple of documentaries, one called Sophia, the Suffragette Princess, No Man Shall Protect Us, The Hidden History of the Suffragette Bodyguards and she was um, also in this incredible documentary which you can find on YouTube. It goes for half an hour and it's a woman. She wrote a book about her. She's read all her letters. She's seen her gloves like – her name is Anita Anand and you can find it on YouTube. It's actually on the Sikh Museum Initiative YouTube channel. As always, 
Thank you for listening. You can find us on social media, Fierce Females Podcast on Instagram, Fierce Females of History on Facebook. Email history at gmail.com. Shoot us a line. Hit us up on the snail mail. Or you can take <laughs> on the snail mail. Or you can take the time to learn how to write backwards and send us a letter and we'll just hold it up in a mirror to read it. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. That's how you read it. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, how long? Well, how would she read her own writing? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) So you don't really have to teach yourself how to write backwards. Probably just write it in a mirror, actually. She had us fooled. God damn, it's a fire. (laughs) 